Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I'm your host, Adil Kurji, and this week my guest is Darren Husted. Hello. Again. How's it going, Darren? You know, from, well, I mean, it was a busy Tuesday night, but, you know, Wednesday I feel is going to be a bit more uh, serene. Serene, you say? Yeah. We're, we're going for serene. Yeah. Well, this is Minute 118, that's 015700 to 015759, um, and we had just finished, uh, in the last minute, uh, Lionel kind of incredulously saying and after all that you you still kept the envelope and we start with Lionel continuing you didn't burn it or anything Miles looks uh left then right in surprise cut to Helen eyes wide you recognize this and then we get a close up of the napkin Andy's handwriting Miles looks up confused Helen got you son of a bitch oh let's slow down there sister okay because first how could you ever prove that that's the original? She might have copied mine. Helen looks a little frantic. This is no. The bar closed nine years ago, and hers has one thing that George just doesn't. Close up and point to the um, the embossing. Miles looks thinking. Cut to uh, Benoit with pursed lips, looking victorious, uh, and then we cut to Helen looking hard and angry. Then we hear Miles. Okay, but second. We hear a click of a lighter, and he sets fire to the napkin. Cut to the Mona Lisa's protective glass jumping down, and the flaming napkin falls to the floor. Benoit reacts and rushes forward. Miles smirks and points at Lionel. Uh, what the hell did he do? He just burned it. Miles. Burned what? I didn't see anything. Helen. You burned Benoit crouched hand crouched down by the flaming napkin, hand over face. Miles. Someone making toast? This will not stand. Uh-huh. Well, did you see this proof? This smoking napkin blanc? And that's the uh, that's the minute. It's a mostly talking with one very wonderful moment of action. <laughs> uh, you know, this is again. This feels like a thing where uh, Miles doesn't come up with the idea. Lionel says to him. Oh, you didn't burn it or anything? And then literally 30 seconds later, he just burns it. Oh, it's... Given our long chat yesterday about how everything of his is just stolen and in, like, the most barefaced way possible, I... When I first saw this, I laughed immediately at the... Of course that's what he did. And every other time I've seen this minute, it's just so wonderfully dumb. Yeah. And yet... This is the thing where you want Birdie saying, like we did last minute, where we were incredulous, but, like, so dumb it's brilliant. Like, it's clear, obviously, Lionel isn't giving him the idea. He's just more questioning, like, why would you keep the evidence from, like, a murder or whatever? I mean, not ne- the thing is, it's not necessarily the evidence from a murder, because, obviously... It's more evidence against the court case that he won, right? That's y- the- yeah, but, but, I mean, technically, I mean, I guess it's kind of not, because... You know, he could he could argue like obviously his his napkin is the same thing, but you know, not every word is not quite correct. Like it's not quite the same idea. So the fact that he hasn't destroyed it possibly lends credence to the idea that maybe at some point he was going to copy it, and then if anyone had any you know kind of challenges about right. it, that he could then say, well, look, this is the, and and the napkin then would match. Like, it wouldn't just be a bunch of people in a court case saying, yeah, that's the napkin. It would actually then yeah. match the original napkin. And, you know, uh, with him being a billionaire, there's no reason why he couldn't get, like, a whole bunch of, you know, glass onion napkins printed up. Like, it's not... Like, it, it feels like maybe there is a there is a plan there to 
kind of back himself up, but everything's moved so I, quickly. I don't buy that at well, all. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Like that, that could be the idea. It could be like if he if he were a genius, it would be like you take the napkin, oh. you replicate the napkin by getting a bunch of glass onion, you know, napkins printed up. You copy it exactly in your own handwriting. Then you get rid of the original, and then all that's left but is you can, yours, you know. And then surely, it, it. I mean, one, the only reason why you need the glass onion embossing is if there was one that had it and yours didn't. Otherwise, you just used a napkin from Subway that you had in your pocket and you went to the bar, right? I mean, the the problem there obviously is that, that people can still kind of challenge that a little bit. If you want to make it airtight, if you want to be like, look, there's this clearly was from the night that we did it. You know, it's in my handwriting. Yeah. I wrote it up. You know, Andy maybe contributed something, but here it is from the night we were in the Glass Onion, the napkin with the idea for Alpha. And it, you know, from that point onwards, if if the only copy is in Miles' handwriting and it's and it's on a napkin that says Glass Onion on, then there's nothing that anyone could do to challenge it. And I I still feel like you you like you destroy the original napkin and you take a picture of just the words Glass Onion on the bottom of a napkin and then you, then you have enough evidence to replicate something. <laughs> I mean, like, but yeah, I get, I get what you're Lionel's saying. saying like, like at the start, he's saying you didn't burn it or anything. Obviously, giving Miles the idea instantly, but also kind of playing the part of the audience of being like, why did he keep this? Why didn't he just get rid of it? In the clip, right? Like Miles, like literally, kind of looks like left, right, like, and like chooses. It's, the, this and the next couple of minutes are really great non-verbal acting by everyone. Um, but like he does the look left, right, and kind of chooses tongue a bit. And to me, that just feels like a oh, I not just a oh, that's a good idea for right now. But I I read it as like oh, maybe I should have as well. Right? I mean, like I I think for the point of view of the the audience who is trying to pick a nit, you know, from the narrator of hmm. Cinema Sins, if you will, like why didn't <laughs> why didn't he burn the napkin? And I would say if I was Miles, I would want to keep the napkin for long enough to be able to make my own copy. You know, like I say, put an order in for some napkins that say glass onion. Have the excuse that, you know, you, that you, you want them for inside the glass onion on your island. So that if people come by, they've got napkins with the embossed glass onion, like we were in the bar all those years ago. And then you can frame that and you can say, yeah, this is where the idea came from. And you can turn that into your own law, which is what, you know, Miles spends a lot of this film kind of talking about himself in a in a way that seems like he's building himself up and giving himself a backstory and talking about things in a way where it's like you know like like when he gives the speech of like how they met and stuff he's he's basically kind of reinventing these people like you know when he's telling the story of like oh you know duke was doing this we see duke with wearing mm. like a terrible wig which i don't know if meant to be yeah. the character is wearing a terrible wig or it's just that dave batista is bald and therefore they had to put a wig on him given how good all of the like set design and costuming and etc are i think it's supposed to be well i talked about this i think in one of my previous minutes but like i think it's supposed to be he is self it shows he's self-conscious about his hair uh and but he doesn't have the like funds or acumen to do it right and so and like so it's just like hey, a cheap hair wig. looks so bad like yeah he, he buys a cheap wig and can't even dress it up the right way he's that fumbling he needs that help at that level of aesthetic right but i, I like it feels like there's a little bit of i mean obviously you know we hear it from helen telling andy's version of the story of how they all met and how miles came in and changed everything and all that obviously you know dressed as frank tj mackie from magnolia which is you know, probably when I saw that at the cinema, I was like, that's just such a great, like, 
the fact that it's like nearly ten years out of date by the time Miles is using that like as his like oh it's it's, it's good on so many levels <laughs> like yeah yeah here's a guy who you know and, and obviously Frank DJ Mackey and like Frank was over the like it's a terrible he character was already kind of out of date yeah when like the point was Frank was out of date at the moment the the movie was filmed and so to take the not even understand the character. And then ten years later, try and emulate. But it's him. like he—he's like at the time he's like a character who's probably like five, ten years out of date, like doing like infomercial stuff. And then, yeah. like you say, like you know, in two thousand, it's a character that's out of date. But then by the time you get to the meeting in the Glass Onion, and Miles is still dressing with like the vest and the hair and everything, it's like it's it's completely totally. But at least he's like picked a character. Like I say, he's like creating his own like mythos as he goes of like oh yeah this he was this slick type of character who came in and he did this for claire he did that for duke he did like mm-hmm. you know birdie like had a measure of fame but he came in and you know t- did something you know, but like it's constantly like like him rewriting stuff so i i could i could see him keeping the napkin for long enough to be able to replicate it so that he can then you know right. in his own handwriting go yeah that's the napkin you know whatever was shown in the court case was probably just you know a copy that he did quickly like he maybe it's something to kind of come up with some excuses but also at the same time maybe he just stole it because he didn't want it to be found when her body was found and then just that just hasn't been able to get rid of it like he hid it in a place in the glass onion where he didn't think anyone would look he didn't expect to have benoit blank come in with you know, Andy's sister to look over everything and find it. So he's just yeah. put it to one side. Like, you know, it, I think that's, I think cause he's, su- he's such a straightforward and impulsive person. I think he saw the thing. He's like, Oh shit, that I need to deal with it. And instead of immediately dealing with it, he like grabbed it. Cause again, I think reasonable. There might be a reason to keep this. I shouldn't just destroy it right away. But then Life keeps happening, and he's like, <laughs> I put it here. And he's also, like, he has this just generic, rich, privileged, white dude cockiness that I think it's a... I, I just read it as, oh, I know. I don't think he's dumb enough to not realize that he needed to deal with it. I just think he thought he wasn't going to have to worry about it for a while, so it was like a future him problem. And then, so when Lionel's like, why wouldn't you just immediately do something about that thing that is going to undo you? He's like, oh, yeah, maybe I should have. The thing that tips off Blank to the fact that he's the like that Miles is the one that committed the murder, it's the fact that and the reason why Duke had to die is because he yeah. saw his car speeding away from Andy's yeah. house. And his car, as Duke says when he talks about the car, it's iconic. It's like one of yeah. like five cars in the world that look like that. So it's like Miles is so stupid that he basically went to see Andy in a car that everyone in the entire world could recognize if they saw it. And then he keeps the only kind of real piece of evidence that he was at that, that, that property. And like you say, yeah. all of this is like impulsive. If he had any planning, he would have hired a different car. Being there might've been okay, but he, if he had impulse control, he wouldn't have murdered given that he was in totally a recognizable circumstance. There was some planning though, because obviously he drugged her and yeah. then put her in the garage. But at the same time, he couldn't stay there to check that she was dead because that you know because then obviously there's a danger of him being caught. So again, yeah. like he hasn't planned it properly because he's setting it up to look like a suicide by putting her in the garage. I had a moment in my teenage years where uh, I sometimes things like gasoline and flames came together in my vicinity, and sometimes that was like after school because I was bored, um, and I was. 
needing to just get rid of the last contents of a jerry can because I had run out of gas like a, like a silly person, uh, and there just wasn't enough. But I went with my <clears throat> friend who was also tutoring in math, um, and uh, it turns out there was like five droplets, so it was like, okay, well, that didn't work. When we But we leave the alleyway which we were doing this, gravel alleyway, very safe, from the opposite end in which we entered. And as we exit, we see that there is a uh, police van across the street on a call. And so I, we just continue walking, need to turn the corner, and my friend is panicked and starts legging it. <laughs> so I have to run as well, and then we get cut off by the police and have to have a whole exchange um, and this is exactly the lesson. So this was a teenage boy making that mistake, yeah. which is, we've not actually done anything wrong. We tried to, we couldn't, but also, they're clearly not here for us. We just walk, right? If we had done something wrong, we especially should walk. Yeah, and that's the same with Miles. Why Why are you... That's what I mean. Miles, Miles speeding away is like telegraphing... Way too much. If he if he'd just done like forty mile an hour going away from from Andy's house, nobody would have even remembered or saw him. You know, Duke Duke might have seen the car but not registered anything because it was just would have been just a, a car driving at normal. You know, but then you know when he has to cover it with the whole you know Anderson Cooper's party thing, it's like yeah, like he, oh God, why, that... why why were you speeding? Like again, the acting here is so crucial to this minute because, like, at ten seconds in, right, we've got H- Helen holding the um, napkin, and she goes like, "I got you, son of a bitch," and it's actually a weirdly written line. Like, "I got you, son of a bitch," is an odd. Like when I wrote out the notes, I'm like, "Wait, she didn't say I got you, you son of a bitch." But actually, just the way she does it, it just makes sense, right? Yeah. And, um, but and just that, like, the tenseness of her delivery, and then we cut immediately to the verse shot of um, Miles, and he's, like, already leaning back um, and be like, whoa, right? And then that's where he goes, uh, he goes, whoa, um, hold, hold, let's slow down there, sister, right? That line. But he's... He's already he's already being condescending and he's being miles to her in front of the evidence. Yeah. What a dick. It's it's funny as well because it's like, you know, like uh, it feels a little bit like his whole slow down their sister is literally him being like, can we slow down for a minute while I think of a solution to this problem? Like he's it feels like he's filling for time to be like, well, and the fact that he does it as a punchline where he's like, firstly, like could be could be anything like that. That napkin could come from anywhere. Yeah. And obviously that's where Helen, which, again, it feels like he's just giving Helen the opportunity to expand on the whole, you know, well, it's got the embossed thing. And like, you know, the bar closed down nine years ago. Like it's, 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 it's so that she can start to go into some of the details so that he can set himself up for the punchline where he's like, secondly, and then he just says fire yeah. to it. Like he doesn't have a second point, but he wants to say firstly, so that she she can keep talking while he kind of figures where his lighter is and gets ready to kind of hit the punchline, which is literally him setting fire to the napkin. Um, so yeah, you know, exactly. One of the it's so it's, rare times it, 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 where he this plans is where ahead. he is smart. Yeah, right? this is it. This is it. like in the entire film. This is the moment. This is the only time when he's clever. Yeah. It, but the, again, uh, it's, and and he managed to do it verbally and physically, and yeah. it, and and. To the credit of the character and the writer, right? It's it's actually the he's lived a life of pure impulse, and so this insane idea of I'm in a room where everyone now knows I'm guilty, 
and they've got evidence to prove it. But I'm just going to burn it in front of them. They all lied for him during the court yeah. case. So he's like, well, they'll do it again. Like, there's, you know, the, you know, Claire's money depends on it. You know, the Lionel's job depends on it. You know, um, Birdie, I'm sure when she's done a mere culpa over the whole kind of sweatshop thing, again, her career will depend on it. Like, these are people that he knows, you know, as as Helen pointed out earlier in the film, are on his teeth. And he's like, he 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 knows that if he can basically make it out of this room, then nobody outside of the room will be credible. Like, Peg's not going to be credible. He baits her into explaining things, yeah. and, like, like, and he says, like, if I, someone's like, well, that could be anyone. It's like, no, no, there's proof I'm going to show you, and she's the one who breaks. She takes a step. In her speech, she takes two steps forward to him yeah. and holds it out, right? And that's exactly what he needs for this insane... <laughs> for this plan to work, he needs her to come to him. Yeah. So that he can just reach out with, with like, n- no... Because if he comes after her, she hides it. She hands it off, whatever, right? Yeah. She, he has to actually bait her. She is triumphant. She has got the evidence. And so it's very easy for, to get her to start explaining, like, oh, yeah, this is why. And so, like... Oh, yeah. You know, he, he kind of almost... Like one like we say, one of the few th- qualities that he's got and that, you know, probably him and, and Andy had is this idea of branding and kind of knowing people... And so he, like, seeing this, he's like, oh, I, I bet if I, if I just say, you know, how do you think you've won? She will expand on it and, and, and show the evidence. This is exactly what I mean about, like, this is his skill set, right? So he's very dumb. And, like, we can attribute a lot of this, the stuff that worked for all these people to, to Andy behind the scenes. But it's also him. And it's him in this exact way. He, Andy underst- had the plan. He had the ability to convince people of things, right? And to, like, read people and figure out how to pivot them. And yeah. the problem was he had no brains to do anything about those pivots. He could just see them. But in this case, he just needs to antagonize her to, yeah, like you said, come close, show the proof, gloat, I've got you, right? How will anybody ever remember, you know, exp- exponential growth or worldwide accessibility? These things are lost forever now. Um, you yeah, know, in particular, like the crypto scalability, you know, um, and the manpower, all of, I mean, it's all gone, gone forever. Uh, um, yeah. Now all we have is the, the, the confused notion of, I think, people instead of manpower, which, which, uh, <laughs> yeah. his version was. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, it, it, it could be like, oh, she keeps the evidence and what's going to happen once it goes to trial. And like, there could be a lot more talking about all that. But obviously, Miles is just like, nope, I'm just going to set fire to it. <laughs> and Again, putting a hat on, a, I stole your idea, Lionel, because he's just like, hey, <laughs> thanks, buddy. What a great idea. And you're like, and you're not even like hiding. This is literally a minute after you've just been lambasted for stealing all your, your only clever seeming ideas and you've done it again. Yeah. Um, and I do like as well that like we do get the cut straight back to Lionel as if to say to the viewer, see, that's who he stole the idea from. <laughs> like, but his, yeah. I mean, you know, Edward Norton's face is great of his like kind of expression of like, yeah, just like wide eyes. He and, like bites his lip yeah, and widens his eyes. Yeah, it's yeah. just such a, it's such a funny thing. Doubling back on the like score and um, part, uh, I really enjoy it when it's just a flaming ball on the floor that we have this like sad triumphant music because it's like, the plan succeeded, but it's the bad guy's plan. It just is like, again, a nice, really light touch that just makes you understand the gravity in a way. And then, again, the cinematography of Benoit actually, like, coming up and we see Andy uh, going looking down and saying, he just burned it. And then we cut to 
Benoit on the ground and and the camera's underneath him still. So like we've we've dropped uh, we've dropped a level. Benoit drops a level, but the camera drops two. So we're still looking up at him uh, as if we were where the napkin is. Yeah. And you just see him look down and cover his face. And again, this nonverbal acting of by Daniel Craig is so well done because it, you're just like, you're the world's greatest detective. You let the evidence get burned, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Like not only and, and and right beside him, right? He's it's this is at if you if you're curious, uh, viewers, this is at one five seven four nine. It's a great shot where we've got Benoit covering his face, kneeling, and we've got just above two people standing, Miles on the left, um, Helen on the right, and, you know, you can tell it's them because they're outfits, and she's kind of holding her hand slightly tense. He, he's got his hands open, like, what? like I don't understand. Like, and, and it just perfectly encompasses their three moods, which is she's just, like, trying to stay calm, so she's not in a fist, but she's kind of clenched. Benoit is completely broken for a second because it's like i did not see this coming and this is a big problem and and miles is calm now because he's like triumphantly weaning and that immediately after that he starts walking away and we we this is where we shift his background to the for basically next couple minutes and like for the rest of this minute he's walking up the stairs to the now empty dining table but now he's surrounded by these his glass statues, this really crazy chandelier, and the weird sort of messianic style portrait behind. Yeah, and I just think it's such a good use of the insane art had everyone in his thrall earlier. I think we also see that he's got like a it looks like a like a red string around his wrist, which might be a Kabbalah yeah. bracelet that was obviously I think so. very popular in the kind of late 90s early 2000s when you know madonna became a proponent of it and you know so it's again just like a little tiny detail of like yeah he's a rich person of course he is because you know that's a thing that only rich people really care about is is kabbalah yeah. like it hasn't really been popular for many again he's like way behind on the trends because that hasn't been popular for many years so it's like just yeah. a little indication yeah and like all benoit has in this later last few seconds of the minute right is surging forward and saying this will not stand uh very purposely and immediately followed by what i think is really um great is the it's like directorially we don't cut to miles we just hear him we cut to helen looking like concerned and surprised and like worried right when we hear miles utter the last like lines of this minute which is like huh well, do you see this proof? This smoking napkin? And, like, just the, the idea of we don't, like, we, do, we don't cut immediately to him because he's kind of in that space and he doesn't need to be the center. We want to see that Helen's, like, breaking as she realizes what's going on. It's just a really nice touch where I think a lot of the time you would see just a cut from this will not stand to the response yeah. and not have Helen in between. But also, of course, he takes the opportunity to make a little pun where he's, you know. Oh, which I again yeah, loved it. You know, instead of saying I, smoking I, gun, he like literally talks about the smoking napkin, and and I, again, I I don't think as it's still smoking, yeah, right? And again, I like yeah, I don't think it's intentional that he's doing that play on words. Uh, yeah, I think it's intentional that Ryan Johnson is doing it, but it's not intentional that Miles Bron is doing it. He's just literally staring at a smoking napkin and going, "Does anyone see this?" Yeah. So it's yeah. Um, but again, like, as with the previous minute, we're kind of like halfway through a sentence of like, you know, 
what the intention is going to be. Given that I doubt that Ryan Johnson uh, planned it around a minute-by-minute podcast, also just really well-bookended minute, right? Because we, again, we start with him on the back foot, and then we end with him literally backing away, but not, but on the front foot. Yeah. And we the the line we get is, you didn't burn it or anything, and then we end with smoking napkin? What? It's just like, oh, how, you can't ask for a better, like... <laughs> minute really yeah yeah i i think it, again most of what i wanted to say was just a, i wanted to put a hat on on the, the sound the score and uh foley because it could easily be missed on such a like it is wednesday and so i have here in my notes we're supposed to talk about the third film i don't think it is stuck because um like literally as we recorded these episodes um like the um like i think probably last week um there was like a small update where ryan johnson had said that you know he has like he'd started writing it before they went on strike but then he he's kind of you know he's basically said that he's he's got most of the script sorted and then it's just going to be obviously finding availability and as soon as the the acting strike is over then you know that that's it. Like he can, he can start shooting it as soon as as soon as that's that's done. So um, yeah, just a, you know a small update a couple of weeks ago, just to basically be saying you know, um, and I think also a, a quote saying that like he he he's looking like rather than the awkward subtitle of Glass Onion and Nice Out Mystery, it, mm. it's it's looking like they're gonna like eventually be talking about a Benoit Blanc mystery as like the overall the, title for the, yeah. the series of films. Uh, because although, you know, they confirmed two and three at the same time, and then obviously we had a pandemic and now we've had yeah. a couple of strikes, so things have kind of, you know, um, have kind of delayed things. Uh, I, I think they've, obviously they've both said in the press uh, that they would be more than happy to just kind of keep doing as many of these as, you know, they can find funding for. So I think although Netflix had said, you know, they would fund two sequels. Um, uh, Ryan Johnson, much in the way that Kevin Smith owns Jay and Silent Bob, separate from Miramax and yeah. Gramercy and uh, Dimension. I'm trying to think. Of, of, yeah. Trying to think of all the different studios that those characters have appeared yeah. for. But yeah, like he owns the actual kind of those characters, and so he can use them whenever, like however and whenever he wants. And I think the same yeah, is it's really just if kind of true. Ryan and Daniel want to work together, right? Yeah, I think the same is kind of true of Ryan Johnson. And obviously, although Netflix have paid for, um, you know, the like these two films, uh, it's entirely possible that after that, Ryan Johnson can simply take the character to another studio, and you know, whoever wants to pay for it. So, um, although I think mm. the guy who's in charge of uh, Netflix has basically said that if they want to keep going with Netflix and they want to do like you know a fourth or a fifth film or whatever, then they, they will happily keep paying for them uh, because right. obviously Netflix has no proper business plan and just likes to burn money. So um, you know, which if they're going to keep making these films, I'm happy for them to do that. You know, <laughs> but, it seems like the one thing. So every other time I've recorded a Wednesday, uh, I, there wasn't a lot of information, and so it was a lot of. Um, hopes and predictions in this discussion but apparently some reliable source says quirky mansion in massachusetts was glass onion and greek island was uh this one sorry knives out was the quirky mansion obviously the glass onion in the on the greek island and apparently he wants to go back to america that's the one thing that has been said by ryan johnson uh since 
tempted by Paris or the Alps, but I feel it's really, really important that these are American movies. I think it's funny because obviously, you know, in parallel to these films, we've had, um, uh, we've, we've also had Kenneth Branagh making his Poirot films um, yeah. to, you know, various results. Um, again, he was, I mean, the second one, he was hampered again, you know, by the whole COVID thing. So, you know, large yeah. waves of it were on green screen and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, if it was keeping people safe, then I've got no problem with that. Um, you know, the, the, like the, the merits of the acting or whatever is, you know, completely separate. And the fact that like, I don't know, at least four cast members from that thing have got some various things that they've done wrong. Like, okay, you know, find some better people to work with, like he did with the, you know, Haunting in Venice. Um, but I, I like I think you know obviously the idea of maybe exploring New Orleans and having Daniel Craig you know kind of doing all that I think would be interesting. But I, I, I like in the in those in those Poirot films there's been very like there's very little of Poirot's backstory. Like we barely know like hardly anything about him in the first film. You know they gave us the story of why he's got a mustache in the second film, which was like a bizarre choice to make. <laughs> But yeah, but then in this most recent one, it was like, oh, he's retired, he's living in Venice, and he's got this bodyguard, and again, like, not really much of his actual private life. Like, that film doesn't waste any time getting into the whole, uh, you know, there's a medium, she's at this house, and then he's, like, he's basically there, and that's it. Like, we we don't Mm -hmm. find out why he bothered to retire. Maybe it was because, like, on his last case, like, seven different people died on a boat. Like... You know, mm. like so they again, and I think maybe that would be the same route to go with Benoit Blanc is like keep keep him kind of more of a like a cipher, like don't get too much into his motivations of like why he became a detective or you know, like just kind of. I mean, I mean, I only I only say this because I I love the wire, but like there's some points in the wire where we find out why people became cops and what, and it's like yeah, like uh, like just show me doing their job and then. Let's not spend hours uh, getting to the backstory of like Jimmy McNulty. We don't really need that. We like he's a cop. That's it. That's all mm. you need to know. I mean, so to be clear, I don't want to know about his like. I don't want to go deep into his youth and stuff. I just want to. Oh, no. I, I think it'd be interesting if it was like people his he's related to, or just lear- learning more about his like life without it being like pivotal explanations, right? Like I don't need to know why he like he has the fashion sense he, he has, but I would be interesting if it was like someone he knew back home and for some reason he's implicated and so he has to just from the detective work he has to play a different type of um role because he's not an outsider but i don't want it to be oh and i think like the backstory oh, no, no, i think i think johnson has said as well like he has no interest in in prequelizing it and and kind of Going yeah. into the, but at the same time, like I don't need like a twenty-minute speech from Benoit Blanc about like, oh, I saw this person do this thing, and that's you know, and this is how I fought, figured this out. And it's like I just figure out the crime that's in front of you. I don't need to know about, yeah. you know. Although saying that, there are you know there are various references to cases he solved previously and why he has his reputation. And again, it would be nice mm-hmm. if there was some you know uh, some person who was grateful because he solved a previous crime was then involved, you know, like. Like in this case, he kind of forced himself onto the island. But if there was somebody, yeah. you know, there's there's talk about like the ballerina case in like in the first film. It's like right. it'd be interesting if like we met that ballerina a few years later, and it's like, oh, thank you for solving whatever this was. And you know, 
he she invites him to do this thing and then it turns out to be a murder there like you know it'd be nice to kind of establish previous connections and people that he knows and just have a little bit of like a more rather than him just blundering into murders which is what the first two films kind of are <laughs> like yeah. he gets he gets invited by the murderer in both cases kind of you know to take part and it like you know it it feels a bit weird you know ransom kind of setting him up in the first film and then in the second film unintentionally um you know kind of by well basically by murdering andy (laughs) miles ends up piquing the interest of benoit blanc so it's like you know like let's let's have something where it is a little bit more you know, like the kind of the Poirot films that Kenneth Branagh has been doing, where it's just like he, he, yeah, he's a well-known detective, but that's that's not why he's in this location. Like it just happens. Yeah, exactly. And and whereas I think the first two films have kind of put him in a location where he wouldn't normally be. He wouldn't have been on that island, you know, and he wouldn't have yeah. been at that house. Like those aren't places where. And but which again, part of that's the social commentary that that Ryan Johnson has put in there. But you know, um, it's it's that kind of thing of like. Uh, you know, I love the Marvel films, but there is a thing of like, oh, finally, this person is now this superhero. It'd be interesting to see what they do. And then literally the next film is like, oh, I'm sick of being a superhero. And they give it all up. And you're like, we've missed like, we've missed like 20 films. We in missed between. all the heroing. Yeah, we, mi- yeah. we missed the. Uh, you can't be sick of a thing. I can't. I don't understand why you're sick of a thing you did once. Yeah, before, this is right? it. Yeah. Like, you know, like, OK, you want to quit a Spider-Man in Spider-Man 2. But like, literally, you've only I've only seen you be Spider-Man for 20 minutes and then get sick of it. Like, I don't understand why you're quitting right now. So, again, I, like, it'd be nice to get just something that is a bit more like run of the mill of like, oh, he, he happens to be in this location. Someone like calls him up. You know, he needs like the, the uh, with Poirot. He's there's that, there's that guy who like always calls him, whose name escapes me. But you know, there's always like a, a police officer who's like, oh, can you come and help with this? You know, the same thing with Sherlock. Like, there's always a police officer. I was like Sherlock. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a police officer who calls you in, and I think so far we haven't had a police officer calling him into a case. And I think it'd be nice if there's a case that's because at the moment it's like, yeah, he's very clever, but so far these cases have been relatively dumb, <laughs> like. They haven't been intricate things to solve. Like these wouldn't challenge Poirot or, you know, Sherlock or like. So I would like it that there's. It's a case where they they can't solve it, and so they have to call someone in. And that person that they call in is Benoit Blanc because he's in town because he's meeting with the ballerina whose case he solved a few years ago. Like have it be a little yeah. bit more kind of like they they can't solve it, and so they need Benoit. Anyone could have solved this one, like. I was that's a really good point I hadn't ca- I hadn't like quite gotten onto which was that like the first one it really felt like Benoit was the the guy who needed to be there to like get all the pieces in the right time at least yeah uh and in this one you're right it's just like a most of the the reason why everyone else on the island might not have been able to figure things out is because he had information before he got to the island that they didn't yeah. And if anyone with that information would connect all the dots in that situation. I say anyone, Miles excluded, given his bronze. And I think, I think the thing is as well, having Helen running around on the island, she is connecting the dots. Like, you yeah. know. Oh, she, like, the whole Anderson Cooper's party thing is something that some people could have caught. If someone had spent five minutes talking to Duke when he was a bit drunker, they probably could have figured yeah. out. Oh, he saw Miles in his car near that house. Like it, the, the, the the parts of it, the parts of the mystery are like slightly easier to solve. And I think you know uh, what I would like is for the next one to be an unsolvable mystery. 
you know, I mean, you know, for yeah. our British friends, uh, kind of like a Jonathan Creek. Like, with mm. Jonathan Creek, it was always a, a murder or, or a disappearance or something has happened in the first, like, half hour. And then Jonathan Creek is nearby doing something else. And so he then gets pulled into the mystery. And then he yeah. becomes the only one who can solve it. And that template, I think, would work really well for Benoit Blanc of, like, he's nearby doing a thing. And then a mystery occurs that no, but like calling this a knives out mystery is like feels a bit insulting because it isn't really a mystery. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like it's fairly easy to solve that the person who murdered two people was the person who stood to gain the most, which is the billionaire. Like that's it. So yeah. it would be nice if the next one was a bit more like, oh, here is an almost complete mystery that nobody else could solve. The police are like, can we? Like in the first one, the police didn't call Benoit Blanc in. You know, so it, like yeah. he was just sitting there, and obviously at the end, he's he has to be the one to say, "Oh, this was ransom." He did like he has to kind of, you know, the plotting has to be kind of teased out a little bit by Benoit Blanc. But like, you know, it, in this film, it wasn't that complex, and I think the next one, that's what I'd like. You know, let's have a comp, let's have a film that has a mystery that nobody is solving, and then Benoit well, has to come in and solve it, and that's that's the premise of the film. Great. Well, on that note, it's um. Not brilliant. Let's uh, wrap up for for today here on Wednesday. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll thank you again, Darren. Do you have any plugs you want to share with? Uh... Uh, I mean, T. Hanks for the memories is coming back very soon. We still got a couple of films to catch up with. Um, so, uh, but yeah, not really on social media. I mean, you know, I'm on Threads under my own name, but I'm not really kind of like posting stuff. Um, you know, I'm more more about replying on Threads uh, now that it's kind of gradually starting to take off. Um, but yeah, so, you know, search my name and you'll find tons of podcasts, uh, on various podcatchers, which by the way, the use of the phrase podcatcher, which I put in the notes for the previous, uh, version of this, uh, bone of contention. People weren't happy about saying the word podcatcher. Uh, really? yeah, there were a few hosts last time who were like, they don't like that phrase, but I, you know, I was like, I don't know what else I can say. Like that's. That's how you. That's how you. Your, your podcast player. Well, yeah. I mean, that's how you make things generic, don't you? People used to say iTunes and stuff, but iTunes doesn't technically exist anymore, so you can't really say that. Yeah. So yeah, we were forced to. Also, like, not everyone uses it. No, so I mean, some you know, some people go on websites, or you know, they use. I mean, now yeah. you can like use Spotify or whatever. So like, yeah, you know, like, yeah. I can't. You can't get specific. So yeah, uh, put put it into put my name into a podcatcher, and you'll find the various podcasts that I've done. Uh, and you can reach us at Glass Onion Min, all one word, on whatever, if it's still around when you listen to this episode, um, Elon Musk's hellscape that once was a cool place a bunch of people hung out on. Or you can catch us on Instagram at Benoit Blanc Minute. Or if you have threads, threads.net slash at Benoit Blanc Minute. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast player or platform or catcher of choice. Um, um, oh, yeah, I didn't do this on um, Monday, but I did do it on Tuesday. So um, we're heading into autumn. Uh, winds t- sometimes pick up. It's not quite so bad that you can't fly a kite. So fly a kite with a little sli- slip of paper on it that has your favorite episode of choice. And just let it go. Someone's going to find a kite and get an episode recommendation. Um, that's, that's my advice on how to, how to guerrilla advertise, um, for this episode. Um, that's all we've got. Thanks again, Darren. Thank you. I've been Adil. And I am editing this now.